0: Again, welcome friends. We're very happy you're able to join us for Sunday service today. We're broadcasting from Ananda Village at the Temple of Light. Today's reading from Rays of the One Light is Dogmatism versus Common Sense. Truth is one and eternal Realize oneness oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7, Jesus warns, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits, Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth fruit that is evil. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Jesus here, as indeed many times during his teachings, counsels people to use their God-given common sense and not to rely on high-flown but undemonstratable claims. Common sense goes beyond abstract reason for it is rooted in actual experience. Even common sense, however, is deficient when the judgment called for goes beyond sensory experience. Ultimately, what he emphasized always, therefore, was intuitive perception. Thus, he expected more of his disciples than crude common sense and often scolded them for being too literal-minded. As he did elsewhere, when they thought his statement, I have meat to eat, that ye know not of, meant that he had steaks or sandwiches secreted about his person. His reference, of course, was to spiritual, not material substance. Words, even though appearing in the scriptures, are no substitute for direct perception of truth. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the second chapter, the sage who knows God has as little need for the scriptures as one might have for a pond when the whole land is covered in flood thus through holy scripture god has spoken to mankind oh <speaking in Hebrew>
1: Good morning, friends, and welcome to Sunday service. As we've been saying, today, March 7th, is the 69th anniversary of Master's Mahasamadhi, And we'll be focusing our talk this morning on that. But to tie it in with our reading of Dogmatism versus Common Sense and Intuitive Perception, how do we know our guru? It's not by someone telling you this is your guru or by reading or joining an organization. We know it intuitively from within. We look at the face. We read autobiography. We listen to his words. And we know that our souls were meant to find God through this blessed channel. So I would like to start by reading from Whispers from Eternity. This is the one beautiful prayer poem by Master, my guru. And I invite you all, this is Master speaking to Sri Teshwar, but I invite you all to close your eyes and feel that your heart's devotion is infusing these words to our guru, Yoganandaji. My guru, thou light of my life, thou camest to spread wisdom's glow over the path of my soul. Centuries of darkness dissolved before the shafts of thy luminous help. As a naughty baby, I cried for my divine mother, and she came to me as my guru, Swami Sri At that meeting, O oh my guru, A spark flew from thee and the faggots of my God-craving gathered through incarnations, smoldered and blazed into bliss. All my questions have been answered with thy flaming golden touch. Eternal, ever-present satisfaction has come to me through thy glory. My Guru, thou voice of God, I found thee in response to my soul cries. Slumbers of sorrow are gone, and I am awake in bliss. If all the gods are displeased, yet thou art pleased, I am safe in the fortress of thy pleasure. And if all the gods protect me behind the parapets of their blessings, yet I receive not thy benedictions, I am an orphan." left to pine spiritually in the ruins of thy displeasure. O Guru, thou didst bring me out of the bottomless pit of darkness into the paradise of peace. Our souls met after years of waiting. They trembled with an omnipresent thrill. We met here because we had met before. Together we will fly to his shores where we will smash our planes of finitude forever and vanish into infinite life. I bow to thee as the spoken voice of silent God. I bow to thee as the divine door which leads to the temple of salvation. I bow to thee, to thy master, Lahiri Mahashaya, harbinger of yoga in Benares. And I lay the flowers of my devotion at the feet of Babaji, our Supreme Master. Now, friends, we have a special treat for you, a guest speaker through the miracle of recordings. We have put together a little visual presentation. Bhaktan, one of our wonderful devotees here at the village, created this. And it's Swami Kriyananda reading the closing pages of his chapter, his last days from Swami's autobiography, The New Path. And it's uh, telling of Master's Mahasamadhi, at which Swamiji was present. And then we have beautiful images of Master uh, corresponding to these words. So please enjoy it with us.
2: Years ago, Master had said, When I leave this earth, I want to go speaking of my America and my India. In a song about India that he had written, to the tune of the popular song, My California, He paraphrased the ending of that popular version with the words, I know when I die, in joy I will sigh for my sunny, grand old India. Once, too, in a lecture, he had stated, A heart attack is the easiest way to die. That is how I choose to die. This evening, all those predictions were to prove true. Master was scheduled to speak after the banquet. His brief talk was so sweet, so almost tender, that I think everyone present felt embraced in the gossamer net of his love. Warmly he spoke of India and America and of their respective contributions to world peace and true human progress. He talked of their future cooperation. Finally he read his beautiful poem, My India Throughout his speech I was busy recording his words Keeping my eyes on my notebook He came to the last lines of the poem Where Ganges, woods, Himalayan caves and men dream God I am hallowed My body touched that sod Sod became a long-drawn sigh Suddenly from all sides of the room there was a shriek I looked up. What is it, I demanded of Dick Hames, seated beside me, what happened? Master fainted, he replied. Oh, no, master, you wouldn't faint. You've left us, you've left us. The forgotten playwright in me cried silently, This is too perfect a way for you to go, for it to mean anything else. I hastened to where master lay. A look of bliss was on his face. Virginia Wright was stooped over him, trying desperately to revive him. Mr. Ahuja, the Consul General, came over to me and put an arm around my shoulders to comfort me. Never, dear friend, will I forget that sweet act of kindness. They brought Master's body to Mount Washington and placed it lovingly on his bed. One by one we went in, weeping, and knelt by his bedside. "'Mother!' cried Joseph, "'Oh, Mother!' Indeed, Master had been a mother to us all. Ah, and how much more than a mother! Miss Lancaster gazed at me in anguish. How many thousands of years it took marveled an older disciple gazing upon him in quiet awe to produce such a perfect face. Later on, after we'd left the room, Diamata remained alone with Master's body. As she gazed at him, a tear formed on his left eyelid and slowly trickled down his cheek. Lovingly she caught it with her handkerchief. In death as in life, he was telling his beloved disciple and through her the rest of us. I love you always through endless cycles of time, unconditionally, without any desire, except for your happiness forever in
3: God.
1: Thank you, Swamiji. So those lines from what Swami just read as the disciple knelt before Master and said, Mother, oh Mother. And then Swamiji thought, ah, yes, you were a mother to us all, but so much more than a mother. And that got me to thinking, how was Master more than a mother to us all. And when you think of the qualities of a mother, first there is, of course, love. And the tenderness and love that the human mother expresses for the child is one of the most sacred and divine human qualities that exists. I remember I was blessed with a very wonderful mother and I know I remember when she passed even though I was in my mid-40s at the time, I remember just sobbing that night uncontrollably in a way I hadn't cried since I was a child and feeling like an orphan because I knew in this world of human interaction. No one would ever love me in the way that she loved me. There have been wonderful people in my life, but that was a unique relationship. And so Master also modeled that for us when he lost his mother, human mother, as a little boy. He was bereft for quite a long time, his heart yearning for that unconditional love and tenderness and compassion. That we know from our mother. Till finally one day he saw her eyes and she said, I have loved you through the eyes of many mothers, but in this lifetime I was coming to you in that form as Divine Mother herself. And so we can have many, many mothers over many incarnations or maybe even in one life Many people may serve as a mother figure, but we have only one guru. And that is the channel of Divine Mother's love for us. And that is an eternal relationship. We don't choose it. It's Swamiji taught us that when the soul is first a spark emerging from the infinite consciousness by holy decree, there is an alignment of attunement between one particular channel of love for each soul, irrevocable, eternal, and that is our guru. So the love, more but more than a mother's love, a love that surpasses our understanding. And then another aspect, how the guru is more than a mother, is patience. You know, when a little child is born, at first they're totally helpless. And the mother has to do everything for them and teaches them how to eat and sleep and talk and walk. And if the mother would say to the little baby in the crib, what's wrong with you? Why can't you walk yet? Get up and walk patience. And the same with our guru. As we are sleeping and dreaming in delusion, he doesn't say to us, what's wrong with you? You know more than that. Get up, get up. Patiently, he waits for us to take our little faltering steps towards God, just as the mother patiently waits for the child to take their little steps, learning how to walk, And not rushing in there because, oh, you're going to fall down if you try to walk, or, oh, you'll hurt yourself if you try to ride a bicycle. Patiently, patiently knowing that we will fall down. We will hurt ourselves, but knowing that that's how we learn. And to patiently, always present, always there. And that's how the guru is with us. He watches our falls. He watches our errors. He watches when we go on a dead end, towards a dead end, but patiently knowing that we will come back. It is our destiny, and always accepting, never judging, never judging, never rejecting, never blaming. Just know we are trying to learn how to walk the spiritual path as best we can. And so there's patience, And then more than a mother then begins to give us, the guru, her wisdom and guidance. And as, as we mature as a child, from an infant to a child, then the mother can begin, this is how you do this, this is how you keep your room clean, this is how you get ready for school, this is the way all the things they train us in and guide us. I remember my mother was so such a wonderful example. Sometimes when, as a child in elementary school, maybe I would get in a, a fight with, not physical, but you know, kind of an argument with other little children, or maybe they would tease me or say something unkind, and I would come home crying. And my mother, again, trying to teach me, she didn't say, oh, those are bad children, I'm gonna call up their mother and they can't treat you like that she would always sit me down and say let's try to understand the other person, why they would act that way. And believe me, I've used that training throughout my life, trying to understand the other person. And so, But then the guru, more than the mother, what does the guru give us? He gives us his teachings. He gives us his example of how to live. A divine life with joy, with enthusiasm, with creativity, facing all challenges. And he also gives us the teachings. He gives us the path to walk more, with more assurance, more effectiveness towards God. The techniques of meditation, of Kriya Yoga, of service, all, of, all the aspects of discipleship the guru more than the who is more than the human mother shows us gives us the tools to live the spiritual life and what a great gift that is otherwise it would be wishful thinking oh i yearn for god but i don't know how to find him i've heard so many people say this over the years before they came to master or, or another guru, that they would say, I was so yearning, I knew there was more to life, but it wasn't until I read autobiography or I felt the connection with Christ, whatever your path may be, it wasn't until I found their guidance that I was able to really, really walk the path with confidence. And then there's the discipline. The mother of course disciplines us. If we do something wrong, she'll say no no and she needs to. Otherwise we wouldn't when we have a make a mistake or have bad judgment, we need to get feedback. And the discipline is according to if a wise mother according to the needs of the child. And so that they will understand. Swamiji said when he, his father, <clears throat> who was rather a stern disciplinarian, when he would do something, if he or one of his two younger brothers, Swamiji's two younger brothers, would make a mistake, their father would spank them. That was a different generation. But Swami said, that did not work for me, for my two younger brothers. That convinced them not to do that anymore that I resented when he spanked me. I could be appealed to through reason. And if they explained to me why what I did was wrong, I would correct my behavior. But then the guru is on a whole other level of discipline. And my friends, this is very important because people often don't understand the, how the guru disciplines us, particularly no longer in a body. But uh, in Autobiography of a Yogi, of course, <coughs> we read about Sri Yukteswar, who was very, very harsh disciplinarian. And people, Master said, sometimes disciples would blanch, they'd wither under his, his discipline. And some of the disciples once came to Master and said, he's too harsh for us, we're leaving, we want you to be our guru, to Master, whose way was more gentle. And Master said, you leave if you must. I stay with my guru. And so we need to understand that that discipline is to help us. And Master said of Sri Teshwar in autobiography, for every humbling blow that he dealt to my vanity, for every tooth in my metaphorical jaw that he loosened, with stunning aim. I love that. With stunning aim, he knew right where to go for that rotten tooth. He said, I am grateful beyond any facility of expression. And so when hard times come in our life, how do we respond? Do we say, oh, this isn't fair. That isn't nice. We need to understand, and yes, maybe the guru isn't in the body, but we have our peers. We have our our elders. We have people who have been on the path for decades and they're trying to discipline and guide you, guide all of us. (laughs) I remember once there was a little, this in the early days of Ananda, I was new, but there was a little boy who was living here and he was about five years old and he came up to me and he said, Davy, you on an ego trip. And I thought, okay, I better listen to that one. Uh, I don't know why he said it, but I really felt the voice of God from, from children. But not to resist, not to resent, but to accept it, to say, if, if I have a setback in my life, don't blame somebody else, don't get angry, they shouldn't have acted like that. Interiorize and think, this discipline is from the guru. What can I learn from it? not they were wrong, they're bad, they made me have hard times. That's not how a disciple acts. A disciple says, what can I learn from this? And sometimes, and this is very interesting, a misguided friend will try to, let's say we've been disciplined by someone or something difficult has happened, And someone trying to be a good friend or trying to be supportive will say, oh, that's too bad that they treated you like that. Oh, they shouldn't have expected that of you. That's asking a little bit too much. Get thee behind me, Satan. There's an interesting saying from India that says, she who loves you more than your own mother is a witch. What does that mean? that the Guru knows, the Divine Mother and the Guru knows what you need. And if someone like those disciples were saying to Master, oh, he's too harsh, and if Master said, oh, well, he is kind of hard, he would have blunted the blow, the force of uh, Sri Yukteswar's blow that was trying to help them so be mindful of that. When some difficulty is happening and someone's trying to comfort you and say, oh, they're bad people. Oh, they don't know what you're talking about. You know as much as them. Be very, very attentive to what's going on because the guru is not here to let us wallow in our delusion. I'm as good as anybody else. I know as much as anybody else. We don't. We're all in ignorance till we find liberation. And we need to be have our our. Spiritual ears open all the time to listen to the whispers from eternity, to listen to what the guru, through circumstances and through other people, are trying to tell us and how they're trying to discipline us. And we should rejoice. Just as um, in, there's an episode in the the New Path where uh, Swami had acted a little out of tune. He was with Master, and um, he someone was kind of flattering him and saying, um, oh, you're giving Sunday service, then I'll be sure to come. And, and Swami knew this man was not sincere. He was just kind of saying that. And, and then Swami got a little sarcastic and said, um, well, you could stand at the door then and check if people have vegetables or fruit in their pockets to throw at me. And Master wasn't present. But A few days later, he said to Swami, that wasn't dignified to talk about throwing fruits and vegetables. You shouldn't speak that way. And and Swami, instead of, you know, inwardly getting defensive or justifying, he said, Master, please correct me as much as I need it. And that should be our attitude. Give me the feedback. Where I'm blind, open my eyes, even if you have to pry them open, because I keep them shut so tightly. So, The discipline of the guru is really one of his greatest gifts and don't resist it and don't resent it, but be grateful for every stunning blow that he knocks a, a rotten tooth loose in your metaphorical jaw. And then finally, we come, if master is more than a mother, how can we be more than a child, that in the mother-child relationship. And that comes because, you know, in India, the word for disciple is chela, means child. But it's a different kind of relationship. The child of the guru, and the child of a human mother, it's very different. Because as we said, that bond is eternal. It's according to divine will. And so we need, with the human mother, we can love, we can be respectful, we can serve in ways that we can. But we don't, there isn't ever the thought that I will become one with you. But with the guru, the chela, that's the goal, to break down all the barriers between the guru and you, to find a kind of love that merges merges your soul with that infinite consciousness of the guru. And how do we do that? Well, it comes from self-offering. It comes from self-discipline. It comes from desiring to want to be one with the guru. But it also comes through deep trust and faith that the guru is on your side. Just as in those last words that Swamiji read at the end that we heard him read, where he said, the guru says to us, I love you always through endless cycles of time, unconditionally, with no other desire but but your own happiness forever in God. And when we can Begin to trust that all the Guru wants. It isn't about, oh, I have to meditate and I have to do this and I have to do that and, you know, jump through hoops. All the Guru wants is our own happiness, true happiness in God. And when we begin to trust that and surrender to it and open to it, then we become the true child of the Guru who is more than a mother, with all the love and patience and wisdom and guidance and discipline, all these things ultimately end in the heart's surrender, in love and in joy. And one day, my friends, just as with my human mother, even though she left, there was a point where I felt the continuity of that relationship. I felt her soul still seeing me and loving me. And that was just a human person. But that day will come when all the veils are parted and the little chela that that each of us are who has walked unsteadily but determinedly on the spiritual path. Finally the veils part and we realize that The Divine Mother, the Guru, has always been in our heart. And this is their greatest gift that the Guru, the Divine Mother, has to give each one of us. God bless you.